This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is a Little Empire podcast. Visit us at littleempirepodcast.com. Are you going to play that dastardly intro again? Intro, 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 intro. Ow! This movie's still fine. That goes screw. One of them's a hothead. His name is Jay. One of them looks like Johnny Depp, and his name is Johnny Depp. Classic Maximum Joseph. You forget that films are supposed to have a point. Hello and welcome to the worst idea of all time with myself, Tim Bat, and myself, Guy Montgomery. We have uh, reunited once more to discuss. Maximum Joseph's magnum opus. We are your friends for the 15th time. We watched the movie uh, Sun's Company, that is to say, without one another, and it's getting harder and harder. I had company this week, though, Guy. This is the uh, the bit you don't know about my conditions of watching this week. Um, also, if you're a newcomer, uh, welcome. Welcome along. This is the worst idea of all time, a podcast in which myself and Guy watch and review the same movie every week for 52 weeks in a row we've already done it once with adam sandler's movie grown-ups 2 and then we did it with um screw it i'm just going to call it sarah jessica parker's movie sex in the city 2 and now we are That's doing it with a gross Zac disservice and maximum joseph's yes. to both michael and patrick king but i will let it slide as i'm not i'm not in the mood My for apologies. nitpicking tim if you've yeah, got nits no, i'm afraid be. that they're your problem um i I'm want nothing to do with the wrong them. mattress um, so this week, guy, uh, sober as a judge was I watching the film. Not recommended, but I was watching it on the projector and in the company of my lovely girlfriend Zoe. And there's something that happens when you watch this movie, or indeed any movie that you've seen over a dozen times, and and you know that you have to watch another, you know, thirty odd. Uh, where you kind of draw their enthusiasm like a vampire sucking on their blood. You kind of steal something from them. You get something out of it. And I felt kind of guilty in some ways uh, watching it with her. And she had a lot of questions. Um, the early questions was, is this movie just a big music video? Uh, that, that came a couple times in the first 10 minutes. 
And uh, Zoe also um, observed that this movie <laughs> seems like it kind of, you're kind of welcomed into it about halfway through, like you're coming into something that's already been going for a little while. It's a bit, it's a bit janky. You reckon halfway is when the movie starts starts being a movie and stops being an intro, or Zoe reckons that. Yeah, well, yeah, she felt like it wasn't really. Um, it's not an easy intro into this this journey into Maxim Joseph's debauched mind, into his oeuvre. Um, I don't know. Ah. I would have loved to be there with you too. I'll tell you that. I really could have used um, Zoe's moral support. I also would have liked to rebut against that ludicrous and foolish theory. What does she know about this movie, Tim? She's watched it once. She's a goddamn amateur, an idiot. It's embarrassing for her to wade in to the, the expert pool from over in the learner's jacuzzi and start throwing opinions around. This movie... The learner's jacuzzi. It's, it comes out like a bottle rocket right out of the gates. It's the favorite in the Melbourne Cup. You know, it's the fastest horse. Um, but what we soon learn is is that pace is only on account of it's it's had a lot of bananas and wheat bix for breakfast, and it's not a slow-burning energy. It's fast. See, I reckon it starts off and you're like, yeah, it's all happening. And then about halfway through, you realize that there's no stakes and there's nowhere for it to go, and that's yeah. where it slows down for mine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, she was like, "Hey, this isn't so bad," and and I was like, "Just hold on, hold off for a, for a tick because it's all about to come to a screeching halt, pace wise." But I'll tell you what, um, without getting too ahead of myself, uh, seeing as how it's four minutes in, she came out of that movie. Zoe did. She watched the entire thing with me, and she said, eh, "It's not that good, but it's not offensive." That's what she said. That's, That's what right. She said. And- that is the uh, that is the fortunate perspective of um, those in the learners jacuzzi who who deem it necessary to only watch watch this movie once or nuns even. Yeah, would you put yeah, people think... who've seen it nuns in the learners jacuzzi, or are they in some even warmer, more inviting body of water? I don't know what a warmer uh, body of water than a jacuzzi is. Probably a, a vat. No, it'd be a sauna, wouldn't it? They'd be in the um, they'd be in. The starter the sauna. Qu- quarantine sauna. Yeah, or starter sauna, if you're into sibilance, which I certainly, Sam. Um, I, <laughs> Boy, yeah, that was I, a what I, what I, What I miss, I guess, I having having Zoe there or someone there means that, you know, you're reminded of what the stakes supposedly are meant to be. You're reminded of when Squirrel dies. It's quite shocking. And it when, was for her too. That was a big the, moment. Well, yeah, because they haven't earned the right to kill any of their characters. It's a yeah. very shocking moment. But now I just don't care. I'm like, yeah, of course Squirrel dies. Squirrel dies every week. It's boring. It's predictable. Squirrel is always dying. It's the same thing with, did, did they get it with the bait and switch where they're like, come over, big fight. And Zicoli goes over to James Reed's house and he's like, oh, I'm about to get told off. And then James Reed's like, let's watch some wrestling. I don't think Zoe was actually that interested at that point. <laughs> What she didn't she seem to be invested enough to even kind of notice um, that classic bait and switch. But I've I've always admired that one. I think it's a goodie, you know. I I used it to, but its now it's much like Squirrel's death. I know it's coming. I need someone else with fresh eyes to see it to remind me that you're not meant to see that coming. One thing that I can barely stress enough is, in spite of the fact that I have moral support there um, in the form of, my beautiful girlfriend being by my side watching this movie sober at this point is a fucking nightmare 
It's so unpalatable. It's a I've full myself a very a very large um, glass of whiskey actually for the post mortem, and I'll be looking for extended breaks as you take the reins for me to just gulp down a a big Mate. old mouthful of twelve year old single malt, <laughs> if you please. If, if I've learned anything uh, in the time I've spent over the years doing this podcast away from you, Tim, it's that um, encouraging you to load up on booze during records is uh is is very important for the integrity of the podcast and at this point you know you yeah, could I almost so. make, an, make an argument that it's a crutch uh i mean this wouldn't be the first time i've gone on record as saying we're all worried about your timbly wimbly but also i'm you'll notice that i've been that, speaking I, I, for long I'm, enough <laughs> that you could have a, a healthy slug i've had a couple um, I'm fine with alcohol being a bit of a crutch for my performance on the podcast at this point. We've set such a, a strange parameter for this show, which is now in its second and a half year, that it's just like, fuck it, whatever. Whatever's happening. Oh, I'm fine with that. And I'm usually pretty pedantic about things like that. Even when I'm doing stand-up, I don't like to um, kind of get in a in a zone where I'm just constantly you know, having three beers before I go on stage or something. I always try to cut in with some no drinking but this thing fuck it man just anything bring it all on uh, look i hear you i mean I, i'm watching i watched it here uh, i'm in by the way i'm in a very small town called lambourne um it's about an hour and a half out of london i don't know in what direction i think southwest uh and it's it's quite a beautiful day I mean, there's not there's nothing happening outside of the outside of the <laughs> the house that I'm in or the unit, if you'd call it that. Um, but the movie was just it was plodding. I really didn't want to watch it. I really yeah. Uh, I I hear what you mean on the sobriety front. You need something, some sort of curveball to make it accessible because at this point it's it's uh, water off. We've a turned back. a fucking page. We've mm. really turned a corner this time. Like I feel this week, uh, we've gone, we've we've gone down a gear, um, and it took a fucking long time. To maximum Joseph's credit, he had us on that leash for a while, but now I just ah, oh, I feel um, is the word demonstrative? Is that the word I'm looking for? Is that when you get kind of agitated and uh, you feel a bit punchy? Demonstrative, me, no, demonstrative mm. would be uh, to do with demonstrating, wouldn't it? No, that's demonstrable. No, I mean, demonstrative, demon from the Latin demon, meaning the devil, strative uh, from the French strata, meaning stable. So you're, you're sort of... You're either in a stable of devils or you've taken on the mental stability of Lucifer himself. I can't argue with that. Well, I wouldn't ask you to, Tim. Did you have any notes? Did you did you take anything away from it this week or this performance that you hadn't seen before? Did anyone turn in a particularly strong showing? Um, I think watching it on a projector is not a bad way to go, just to mix it up a little bit. It's really seeing, seeing those pixels blasted up to... Hitherto for unforeseen sides, which was interesting. Um, gravitated a lot towards the uh, guy that Zicoli punches right in the face at the Stanford party this week. It's right on his side. It's like the bigger oh, really? he gets, the more you warm to him. Oh, yeah. Big time. 
<laughs> yeah, you, I don't all, think anyone, all you need to do is blow him up. I don't think anyone comes out of that scene looking uh, too cool, but it's I, I guess it's nice, isn't it? It's nice to take different sides on different weeks. What made his performance mm. more sympathetic? Was it just pure size? Um, I think he made a real effort to try and get on board uh, with whatever Somali's profession was. He said he likes music, um, which is a, a bold oh. call, just for something to say out loud, really, you know? Not a lot of people would um, would say those words out of their face you, hole. Yeah, yeah. It would be, yeah, it would be embarrassing. I mean, the assumption is that we all like music. Uh, would you say, Tim, I mean, so you, you thought he played a sincere and sympathetic role in conversation with Somali? Uh, comparatively, yeah. Yeah, definitely. He's just got such a punchable face. But once you get past that a little bit, um, I guess he's still a, a piece of shit. Fuck, I don't know, man. Do you fuck uh, this movie. do you do you fuck, take nah, pity? Nah, don't don't try and no. Fuck this. I don't want you to fuck this movie. Man. Railroad a legitimate question with your fury, your righteous fury. Do you generally, after taking sympathy with this character this week, feel bad for people whose face you might describe as punchable? No one chooses the, uh, the shape of their face. No, but I've I've definitely got a thing, and I think most people have this in them, where you physically alter how you look at someone like their attractiveness changes over time and this is gender neutral uh based on the information you know about the person so if you meet someone who's very attractive and then you get to know them and they they turn out to be a real piece of shit increasingly so over time as you get more information about them i think you for me at least they physically get less good looking they get uglier when i have that intel and conversely someone who might be quite average looking um, will uh, uh, grow more beautiful before my eyes as I learn good things about them. And and so you're saying that you can overcome someone having a uh, specifically punchable face as you learn information about their personality. And hey, maybe maybe they're a lovely person. Maybe they've spent their entire life trying to remedy the unfortunate situation that is their face. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, this guy's not a sterling example of that because he is talking about one of his fellow party guests' tits and uh, how she failed out of school, which is one of those things in the movie that they keep repeating as a turn of phrase as if it's real, and it isn't. Like how they keep using the word spin for DJ, like the verb is always spin. Do you spin here regularly? Yeah. Where in the world have they you... Ne- they really you needed a, a bloody DJ thesaurus to... um. To find anything that wasn't the word spin. I mean, the more they say just, it, the more it loses DJ. meaning. It's like, do you know sometimes when you look up a word in the dictionary and you're combing through the letter, so say in this instance it's the word spin, and you're combing through all of the S words to get to SP where it says spin, and suddenly all of the S's look to me to be backwards. Or this could be unique to me. I've never really said it out loud before. Um, how often that- are you thumbing through the dictionary? Uh, not as often as uh, as you'd think. Uh, I mean, very rarely. I, I couldn't actually tell you the last time I picked up the physical artifact and, and had a look through. But this is I mean, something all, you remember from your time with dictionaries. Yeah, I remember it vividly. I'd always, if I look, if I'd be looking through one letter long enough, I'd always think that the the letter was playing tricks on me and sort of flip flopping. Oh boy. What a strange childhood you must have had, Monty. 
I mean, I spent more time away from dictionaries. Losing your stomach was the feeling of having a vagina. And and now I learn about um, your predilection toward thinking that dictionaries are playing tricks on you. As if Um, they would take the time. Yeah, look, I, I never thought they were sentient. I was aware that the, the problem was probably within my own mind. But it was definitely recurring enough for me to remember. I don't think it's it was... just how it felt. Like, Yeah, I don't think it was super interesting. I think I just got caught up on certain details. And I was wrong. And I'm willing to admit mm. that. Speaking of uh, different watching circumstances this week, Tim, I went whole hog uh, after your recommendation last week with blasting the noise to... To maximum volume in honor of maximum joseph i put on some, uh, s- some really nice headphones and, and blast the volume well i'll tell you who was doing a lot of heavy lifting and um at some point with every movie we watch uh this this discovery sort of rears its head the sound engineer whew, whoever that person was did a fantastic job they're the hardest working persons in show business truly they are yeah well because their job, of course, if it's done well, it uh, it will not be noticed. Yeah. It's like lighting, isn't it? Yeah. Say what you will about grown-ups too, I could see all of it. <laughs> and that hasn't changed. I did have the sincere thought at one point watching the movie this week that I would I'd kill for a go-around with grown-ups too. Just felt like there was more happening. Yeah, I, I, I sort of get what you mean. It's like there's less humans or less human. There's a lot more characters in Grown Ups too, but a lot less kind of character. But there is more action. And They're sometimes just... that's all you need to get by. But I think this is just a, simply a case of you romanticizing a past relationship. This is the girlfriend who didn't treat you right um, for a long time. And you've just got rose-tinted visions of what that relationship was like because now she's gone undoubtedly i also think maybe if you if to use a cooking metaphor uh we are your friends they they have a pretty plain recipe and they sort of you know they they put it all in there and uh the meal came out and it's pretty bland it's pretty tasteless it's it's definitely Mm. a meal whereas grown-ups too i don't think they were really working off anything they just put a lot of different flavors in a bowl and uh served it up yeah and accordingly, there's a, yeah, there's a lot more to pick apart. I mean, there's a lot more different tastes that you have to figure out and work through. Tell you what I did do um, before watching the film, just as I was burning some time um, waiting for our pre-agreed on start time to come around, as I watched the first 10 minutes with Zoe of XOXO, which was um, the Netflix film, which I think's only just been released, uh, which is kind of like just a rip-off of We Are Your Friends. Yeah. And um, here's my take on the first first ten minutes, at least, because that's all I've seen of it. Uh, it's it looks like a better executed version of what we're watching, but very Disneyfied, Disneyfied, whatever the verb would be. It's like very saturated, and they seem to be a younger cast. And uh, there's no there's no cussing, no effing or jeffing in the first ten minutes that I could um, remember. And uh, I look forward to watching it with you, Guy, at some stage, because I think that's uh, necessary. I just, uh, I don't think it would be any better or worse than We Are Your Friends. I just think it would be different. Yeah, but different uh, is better, always. 
It, this is the nature <laughs> of the beast. It, you're even willing to go back to Grown Ups too, a movie that you know is terrible simply because we've had a stand down period of a year and a half since we last saw it. That that's the the bare difference that's needed to be better than what we're currently. Well, is I mean, there's a a beautiful irony, well not irony, but um, it's very disappointing to hear you say uh, that different is better. You know, with with the knowledge that the entire premise of this podcast is that. Uh, you know, not and isn't is, that the point? Is interesting. And isn't that what it all boils down to, Guy Montgomery? This is you may, not us um, doing what's right; it's us doing what's wrong, and that's what's right about. I'm just fucking fed up this week, eh? I've just like I've really had it. I don't. There's nothing. There's nothing more in this movie for it to give to either of us, and I'm, f- I'm pissed off. Uh, I'm I'll, mad about I will, it. I'll slow you down. I'll slow down that anger. I, I, I spotted a few odds and ends this week, which uh, tickled my fancy and, and took my interest. Just uh, for those of you listening at home, you'll probably hear the unmistakable sound of a kettle on the boil. Uh, the reason I'm in Lambourne is I'm visiting my older sister, Alice, who is, um, she's actually at a jockey treatment facility called Oaksy House, which is where they, uh, for people who, are, who ride horses, specifically jockeys originally, uh, they get quite unique horse-related injuries that only a horse could inflict upon a person. And uh, my sister has befallen one of these injuries. Uh, quite, well, quite a severe injury. She's now upset with me for not doing her injury justice. Uh, the reason she's here, she's walking around the kitchen in slow motion making a cup of tea uh, with one crutch. She's meant to be walking on two crutches. And before I tell you this, I'll also let you know that she's slated to make a full recovery, so you needn't worry about her. But she fell off a horse uh, riding... Were you riding a cross-country owl? Yeah. She fell off a horse. Can you imagine this? She broke not one, but both of her collarbones, five ribs, shattered her pelvis, and snapped snapped or broke? Broke in half, similar to a snap, her femur. She's more metal than bone, Tim. And she punctured a lung. Um, and so Good God. I'm sort of here. Yeah, I know. I'm here taking taking some time out to, to hang out with her. We've had a lovely time. We started watching Stranger Things together. But it's a very small facility. It's built for one. Uh, and so if you hear the rumblings of another person in the room, that's what's going on here. And that's why it's such a small town. What do you think of Lambourne now? It's small, she says. But she doesn't mind that because she can't really get round. Yeah. Anyway, no, so I'm if, if you hear a, I'm getting that. If, if you hear a rustling and a rustling in the background, you needn't worry. It's just uh, my dear older sister <laughs> fixing herself a cup of tea. It's actually my job to make the teas and the food, but because I'm recording the podcast, <laughs> she's doing what is a, basically a one-minute job in about 10. How uh, many lives now, need this podcast negatively affect? <laughs> now, back to... Back to the matter at hand. So I understand you're upset, Tim, as well you should be. Uh, now it feels like you're comparing my anger with Alice's horse injuries, hey, which um, I'll just I'll just <laughs> say for the audience that I I, I have had the run through um, previously and was just shocked to hear the extent of them, <laughs> and am so delighted to hear that she's making a, a full recovery, and that is. Uh-huh. 
the reason why I may not be flipping out about that is it's not new knowledge for old Timbo, but God, I think I speak on behalf of every listener out there when I say we, we wish Alice a super speedy recovery because oh. that's fucked up, man. That's a lot of real messy injuries. That's oh, yeah. a lot of pain. Uh, I will relay your, your well wishes as well, Tim. Um, and, Please do it again, and f- yeah. For you, for you to to measure your anger against Alice's injuries, I mean, it's it's unnecessary. Uh, it's <laughs> well, it feels like that's what you're doing though, because you're going. Hold I think, on, I think Tim. sometimes, I think sometimes you read into things, you know, the way you want to. And um, oh, don't you, don't you start with me, mate. Can <laughs> <laughs> you shove uh, an absolute litany of injuries after me expressing my anger at having to watch a film a, a few too many times out of my own construction? You know, uh, you you really. <laughs> You're really proving what a facade this whole thing is, is all I'm saying. You're really putting it in a very accurate perspective. Um, and you're showing me up to be the complete asshole Look, that I see I mean, now that I am. I haven't, I haven't said so any thanks. of these things. So you've re- you have read all of that for yourself. I, oh, I, look, I can read Not one of those things that I say. Uh, but Tim, this is what mm. I've been trying to say before you got distracted. Um by your own defensiveness. If, what are you doing I, now? Are you, are you opening a packet of biscuits onto the microphone? Not onto the microphone, but near the microphone. Look, your boy needs sustenance. I noticed some things that I think you'll enjoy me sharing with you. Number one. For the love of another- fuck, do not eat a biscuit on microphone. We got complaints last time you ate, and some of them were from me. It's disgusting, <laughs> and I can't stand it. That doesn't sound like a complaint. That sounds like Tim having a problem. I Yeah, but it wasn't not, just me. Do you want to hear about my thoughts or not? Because you're, you're Yeah, I do, but little... I really want to hear them without you chewing on a biscuit, please. Well, I guess it's a, a mystery that will be uh, revealed with time, whether or not I, I so choose to eat a biscuit as I talk. Now, Paige, uh, last week you made the astute observation that Paige was in fact not referring to to the the chandelier within the house, but to the next door neighbor chandelier, who he was very excited to see. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think not only that, there was another exciting revelation as they left Tanya Romero's house, where he says to to Cole, uh, "We just made real fucking money in there. You got that real fucking money." Now, for weeks on end, we've thought that. Uh, when he says real fucking money, Paige is referring to the volume which they've earned as opposed to sort of petty change or small cash. They've made a real earning here. I put it okay. to you, Tim, that uh, that's not what he's referring to. But the fact is part of the reason that Paige's entire office has been decked out with concrete uh, and he, he's, he's been putting his, his penis inside precious stones is because he is a madman. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Who has been trading entirely in either Monopoly money or fake checks. Oh, and so God. what's happened is for the first time in his career as a real estate mogul, he's actually closed a deal which is legal tender. Right. Uh, and he's so excited. How's the business been afloat for so long operating on this funny money? Uh, to borrow a turn of phrase from the beloved Norm MacDonald, through sheer tyranny of will. I feel like Norm um, might have got that from somewhere else, but I'm going to overlook that. I just like is he pay, do you think he's paying the employees in monopoly currency as well? Uh yeah, I mean, I think what where a lot of his time and energy is going uh cuz we know he's hiring incompetent staff. We know that the staff can't close any deals, right? They always have to yeah, defer to yeah. Page. And accordingly, I don't think they quite know the extent uh to which Page's lunacy runs riot. And so a lot of his time in his office is spent dyeing Monopoly money and hand-painting oh. it to look like real cash. And right. this might also explain why when he says, let me break you off something real proper-like and hands over an envelope filled with uh, cash, yeah. you'll, you'll remember every week Johnny Depp takes the money out of the envelope and says, smell, smell it. He always, remember, he always wants Cole to smell the money. Holy shit! I've never, um, I've never heard him say that. That I can recall every, at all. Every week, and it's an ADR as well. You don't see his mouth moving. This is a decision that Maximum Joseph made after <laughs> everything had been shot. He said, "You, Johnny Depp, I want you to tell Cole to smell the money." And Fucking I think hell. the reason he wants to smell it is because it smells like paint. Right. So it's got that good fumey new car smell on it. I, I mean. I'm just speculating here. These are the thoughts of an idle mind left to fester on its own. Well, I really like where your head's at, and I think um, you're definitely onto something. Paige, such a complicated character, and I think the real star of this film, when you get down to it. Man, just every time... tapestry there. Yeah. Every time I'm struggling, Paige is the life raft I cling onto for hope. I like just, that they bring him back near the end of the film as well. Just and there's no reason for him to be in that montage while Zakoli is playing. You mean when his terrible track to him and him and Johnny out. Depp are vaping? <laughs> yeah, they're they're floating a bloody uh, douche flute between each other um, in the car, 
And it's just to remind you that Paige is still alive and still being Paige. It's like, I wonder what Paige is doing right now. It's like, yes, he's still going, still doing his thing. That's right. Lunacy will outlast us all. Fuck, he's a, he is a madman. And he's just the kind of guy who'll build the empire that will eventually like buy up all of the failing record companies that Zicoli made a deal with for his record. And Paige will end up being just the master. He'll be the puppet master over this whole thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone will Paige succumb is, to Paige. <laughs> Paige is, yeah, until he, he goes to uh, court for fraud. Probably on two counts. Once but for I, the shady dealings he's doing with regards to real estate and mm. twice for painting money and trading off it like it's legal tender. I almost see Paige as sort of a Trumpian figure though and that he, he just, he'll just keep talking. He'll keep talking at people until they sort of stop bothering him. So like he'll be in a court case and he'll just keep going and eventually everyone will just get so done, tuck it out that they'll dismiss the case and he'll just go about his business some more. Feels like that kind of you guy. Th- you think that's a, a reasonable uh, angle to play in court? The angle of just talking and talking until people lose interest in the fact that you're a you're a serious criminal? I thought that was the entire point of court, is to see if you can just outlast the other people. You just keep going. I've like never every known court, court case is won by a filibuster, and it's just who can go the longest. I never knew that court was purely uh, an endurance sport. Mm. why do you think lawyers always look so fit because they've got to have incredible stamina to keep going for so long why why are more people in courtrooms not wearing exercise gear well because the exercise has been done why why do people not wear exercise gear on a basketball court guy because they're playing basketball at that point you wear the exercise gear when you exercise they're wearing sports gear the point remains... Basketball players this, aren't playing basketball in suits, Tim. No, but they're wearing their uniform, and the uniform of court is a suit and a tie. You wear your <laughs> training gear to build up that endurance and that stamina, and then you get to the sport of talking at a judge until you can't talk no more. And whoever gets to do that the longest, they win the case. That is my understanding yep. of the legal system. And, and the loser... Even if the person who can't talk for as long as the plaintiff immediately becomes the criminal... Yes, exactly. They get found guilty. Someone is found guilty in every court case. That's a little known fact about the justice system. Because if a crime's been committed, or even just alleged, someone has to be guilty, right? We can't get a room full of people in a court and not have some sort of consequence. No, it'd be a waste. We're a waste. Sorry, I just drank a lot of that whiskey all at once, and uh, I am drinking it straight, so every now and then it catches me a little off guard. You needn't worry about that, my friend. Um, a spring in the step. Well, I'm glad that we've sort of at least got to hammer oh, into the legal can I, system. Can I tell you something, though, Guy? I've got to say, um, watching the post-coital hotel room service breakfast, which you offered up many weeks ago, uh, was an improv that Zach Efron and Emily Radichkowski just dived into. The more I watch that scene, the more hand on heart I am convinced that you were right about that. Like they, oh. ab- there was absolutely no script for that scene. In fact, that moment probably wasn't in the shooting script. That is them just ad libbing, flying There's off the There's no handle. doubt. It can't have been in the script because no script editor, no one anywhere in the world would look at that dialogue on the page and say, yep. Yeah. It's... <laughs> It's crazy. 
and it's like they revert it's a weird moment because it's like emily radishkowski stops acting in that scene for a brief moment there's two moments in this movie where i feel like we really see her rather than her playing a character like she just sort of you know takes a little brief respite from acting while the cameras are rolling it's that bit that bit i really feel like we're dealing with emily and not somali and uh right at the end when she's listening to uh zicoli's new hit track on the headphones when he comes to sort of offer a bit of a mea culpa at the north hollywood cafe that she's working at now i feel like that moment when the camera's on her and the music's playing she's just nodding her head i feel like that's not acting either there's something about that smile that's just like ah We've stopped dealing with Somali and we've started dealing with Emily. And I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. But it's just an interesting little uh, quirk of the movie that an actor would decide to stop acting for a bit. Well, you know, I think because they don't exactly give her a meaty character in the form of Sophie, do they? It's not a lot to sink your teeth into. I think a lot of the casting was based on the fact that uh, certain characteristics would be similar to her you know, would be within her acting range. That is to say, um, it's not like Sophie is the most uh, developed of all the characters in the film. She's mm. pretty much there to drive a wedge between uh, James Reed from The Feelers and Zicoli, would you not say? It's a comparative game that you're playing, Guy, and compared to the other characters, I think she's about on par. But I think what you're dancing around is that she probably got hired for her physical attractiveness. Is that what you're trying to communicate? Uh, I wouldn't say that that didn't enter the equation. (laughs) Yeah, um, Zoe did scream out the word titties a couple of times um, for certain gratuitous shots, to which I had to say, uh, you ain't seen nothing yet, babe. Wait for this one. Um, When they hit into the slow motion dance scene at at the party. I always thought, I always mentally chalked that particular close-up to the fact that they sort of use that x-ray effect to show the beating heart but they don't even do that they, they do don't the x-ray her- effect on that guy in the obesa singlet and then and that is of- the beauty of maximum joseph that he like he had the forethought to insulate himself from uh cries of uh being a creep basically or just you know being a dirty old man just because <laughs> she's really young emily radishkowski who plays somali is like in her very early 20s when this was shot. And um, he managed to make the editing decision to show that uh, sort of good-looking, like, Cuban-looking dude who's in the cool hat and the shades to, to show his chest first. And then it's like, see, we're showing everybody's chest. This is fine. This is just what we're doing with this bit of the movie. I hate that bit of the movie. And what you got to admit, though, that was kind of a brilliant move on his behalf undoubtedly oh, i don't, I don't that hate criticism. that specific bit just what zicoli's talking about is absolute garbage but if you put enough quick cuts in and make it a voiceover oh, yeah. it lends credence so okay rocking a party step one so it's the dj's job to get the crowd out of their heads <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. into their bodies Firstly, put a sock fucking, in it mate how, how condescending is that to the personal assistant and like booker of one of the world's biggest DJs, James Reed from The Feelers. She knows what rockin' a party's about. I know saying she's working as the audience surrogate and she's, you know, just serving as a vehicle so that Zicoli can tell us how to rock a party. But find a different way to do it, mate. Because I, I don't appreciate how you're treating her, uh, you know, her professional now. She, she tolerates it uh, admirably, though, doesn't she? She doesn't even interrupt him. Oh, there's a big old eye roll, though, in the middle. 
which uh, which is always good when he's referring to... Yeah, but I always interpret that eye roll as sort of like, oh, there's a connection between us. Oh, Do you flirty. think it's like, oh, would you fucking stop? Oh, it's sort of both. It's a little bit, oh, you. It's one of those, you know. Oh, oh boys. It's one of those eye rolls. And she did like... By the end of it, she doesn't even stop because the last thing he says is once you've gotten your crowd there, you're controlling their entire circular, circulatory system. Um, I don't think so, Zach Efron. Yeah, I know, way. Eh? He really get. In- I don't think that if you play a song at 128 beats per minute, you have total control of another person's body. And there's a lot of imagery of cartoon ovaries during that bit as well. So it's like... They're not shying away from the biological implications of this power that he thinks he's given himself. You can't just find a song that's 128 BPM, put it on, and suddenly you're in control of a room's heartbeat. Do you know what's 128 BPM? The fucking march. That is a standard marching beat. I can't just put on some marching music and suddenly everyone's, you know... And head down to City Hall. Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe I could actually. But I couldn't kill them. Sit. I couldn't start at 128, have them in the palm of my hand, and then suddenly, you know, chuck on some, I don't know, what would you even put on? Some dubstep or something. Freak them out. Give no, them all dubs- strokes. Nah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't put on dubstep, would you? Because uh, dubstep is actually 148 beats per minute, cut to half speed. It ends up being about 70 beats per minute. That's, that's, also, that's also in the same montage. Oh, sorry, it's in a prior montage, everyone. That's what Guy's talking about. Uh, I understand music. I still... I, the other thing I haven't, is... I'll just say this about that bit that you're talking about as well, that montage. I still haven't stopped enjoying them throwing house music under the bus so dramatically in that sequence. It's so funny. Starts with reggae music. Reggae music's slow. It's 60 beats per minute. Dubstep is quite fast, 140, but it's actually cut at half speed. So it's more like 70 beats per minute. Uh, and then does it just go to house after that? <laughs> it's like, yeah, and then it's house. is 110 BPM. And it's just got a bunch of like mid-2000s fuckwits. Right in the foreground is this white girl with black dreads, which is always a little bit of a red flag. And they all just look like they're having a terrible time. It's the middle of the day and they're at a music festival. And the worst, shittiest, like, most derivative cafe, Casio tone house music is just playing underneath it. And even the hardcore music, which is the one he's supposed to be making fun of because he says, I don't know how people dance to that. Even that, by comparison to the house track that they've picked, sounds fucking dynamic and awesome. Like, the at least the hardcore music, you're like, this has got a bit of something to it. But fuck, do they throw house under the bus? And fuck, do I enjoy the bitterness of that moment every week I see it? Yeah, they. I, they, I don't know what house music did to Maximum Joseph. I think it might have taken, uh, taken a partner from him. They went to a house gig, uh, house music played, he couldn't get into it, some other attractive European person could, and swooped in and took his dance partner. <laughs> I reckon you're right. What, Miss him and what I was going to say, because we sort of had a really rich vein of uh, fury with Zicoli, mm. is another thing that got me this week is... You know, James Reed from the Fellas is like, uh, you got to get your head out of the laptop and start listening to the real world. Yeah. Sort of as if to say, the problem here is that you're using electronic music samples instead of real recordings. Mm-hmm. That's not the problem. The problem is that the music he's making is is hot garbage. Yeah, it's bad music. 
it's the issue isn't the means with which he's using to make it. It's not that he's not playing real drums and downloading them from the internet or making them on GarageBand. It's that he's got no ear. You're not wrong. You're 100% correct. And this is exemplified by the terrible track that the movie ends with. Yeah. It's a bad time. Hope, and, it's, yeah. and it's clearly not a character choice because obviously with a movie like this, everything is riding on that big track that he's been t- wanking on about the whole film. Although, to be fair, like not enough to actually give it a good dramatic through line. But he's he's winked on about it at the start and maybe once in the middle. And then we're reminded that it exists in the end as well. And the track is fucking terrible. And I came to the conclusion tonight, after watching it again for the, what, 15th time I think we're up to, that... Uh, oh, yeah. It's fucking two tracks. There was something about like the beats that always wigged me out like something's not right there and i think there's two tracks that get mixed into each other and they're not beat matched properly like he actually it's supposed to be one track because you see him playing the whole thing but when he starts off with that kind of ambient electronic and nonsense at the start where he's just playing samples of helicopters and fucking buzzing pylons there is a beat that goes underneath that and it doesn't match up after the drop with the track that he goes into and it's like fucking hell filmmakers like it's from the first watch that's irked me and I couldn't really put my finger on it because they haven't missed it by much but they haven't fucking beat matched it properly god damn it's it it's like instead of getting someone to actually make the song that's going to bring the movie home over the closing credits they they used whatever Zac Efron was pretending to cobble together on camera yeah like they actually got Zac to, to deal with it just fucking throw so, some money at <laughs> Skrillex for Christ's sake take Disney's lead dude knows how to make a track it's not for everyone, but you're doing an EDM uh, movie, so just eat it. The other thing I hoped after hearing that song is that I hope Squirrel's estate got some royalties because Squirrel is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Not wrong. Not wrong at all. Guy, let's uh, move as swiftly as possible to closing this off. Um, but right now, it's uh, 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 time to grab the tissues, time to grab the Kleenex, because right now, we're getting sentimental. Sentimental with James with Reed. James Reed, I deliberately made it bad this week, and I apologise for that. That is what it is, mate. Um, would you like to get sentimental with James Reed this week, guy, or shall I get sentimental with James Reed this week? Uh, I'd love for you to do it, and I'll ask you questions, guy. I'm so thrilled that you've asked me to do it. So here's the situation, folks. Sokoli gets given a gift. We know it's sentimental. We know it's from James Reed from The Feelers. We know that it fits in a MacBook Pro box. We know that it probably isn't a MacBook Pro because uh, our boy James Reed from The Feelers is some sort of Machiavellian type. He's a, he's a trickster. He never does stuff by the book. He's often um, pulling the rug from underneath people. He's a real prankster. And that's why the thing that's in the box uh, turns out to be a whoopee cushion because... James Reed from The Feelers loves a giggle, loves a fart joke, and he's an audio man. He loves sound. He loves music. He's got a finely tuned ear. So what better present could you get for a friend who uh, is a new friend and you want to, you know, really bond with and get him on that deeper level than a humorous whoopee cushion, something that you can both share in the richness of the sound and uh, tell him to sample it because it's authentic and then put it in an EDM track. So what we end up with... um, by the end of this alternative timeline is a is a uh, a track that sounds surprisingly like our intro theme 
but all the notes are done with fart noises. So if I may go, I'm going to venture a little attempt at it, okay? Sounds a little, little something like this. Because we are your friends. And that's why you buy a pop shield for your microphone, folks. Hey, that was um, pretty impressive, Tim. Thanks, Guy. I like that he got him a whoopee cushion. And I also like, it's sort of a double prank. The first prank is that it's in a MacBook Pro box. You can only imagine the disappointment smeared across the Coley's shit-eating face. When he opens up what he thinks is a brand new computer worth about two thousand American dollars, and takes out a whoopee cushion yeah, with a street value of about three ninety nine, it's a huge fall, eh? A massive decline in value. Yeah, and uh, secondly, obviously, a whoopee cushion is a prank is is a prankster's delight. I mean, is there a prank older than the whoopee cushion? Not in my books, mate. Because I think it's it's probably the original patented prank. There's no other device that's more rudimentary or old that probably holds a patent. I don't know if it holds a patent, but it probably should. There's a specific Have design Have you ever called a fart a whoopee? <laughs> Not ever. Where's that coming from? It begs the question. I like you, guy. You got your thinking cap on. Um, next order of business before we depart. <laughs> yeah, it's all business right now. You're so professional. I love it. The Shining Light. Oh, yeah, I yeah. thought you'd never ask. I've got you, my comrade. I've absolutely got you. Uh, and this week, I made reference to it earlier, uh, the sound engineer. Mm. Now, it would be very simple for me to say this is the shining light of the whole film was the hard work done in the sound booth. But specifically, what really grabbed me and made me think about it was after the cash handover, uh, when they're overlooking the valley after their night at social, just before they get ripped off, or after they get ripped off, actually, Jarhead opens his envelope with $200 cash, not nearly as much as they expected to earn, and he says, I'm going to murder that cheese dick motherfucker, and throws a rock over the vista. Yeah. And after he says, uh, motherfucker, there's a very faint echo that repeats maybe three or four times. And if you hadn't been wearing headphones, I don't think you'd get to hear it. I definitely But didn't. I was this week. Far out. And I heard it, and I respected it. Good shit. That's an excellent shining light. Uh, my shining light, as I mentioned earlier, was the uh, guy who gets punched. I thought he turned in a really good, a genuinely good performance this week, and I saw something in him that I haven't seen before. Um, so there he is. And, uh, and finally, no but. Ah, improv. Indeed. Did you see any prov this week? I saw a lot of prov, actually. The predominant bit of prov I saw was in the uh, um, the quick cuts that formed the montage at the beginning, which is consistently my most hated bit of the film, which is really saying something at this point, where there's like a drug deal that goes down in between a uh, chain link fence, and uh, they look at the camera for like the only bit in the film where they, they decide to do that. And uh, at one point, Johnny Depp passes some drugs through a fence and then looks at the camera and goes, shh. All of that shit is that's improv. That's actually just improv for the camera, and it's all garbage. It's all fucking terrible. Yeah, that was 
Maximum Joseph just on the roll being like, hey, everyone, yeah. just do what you want. Turns out we're not doing this on film like I thought. We're doing it on hard drives, and we've got a fucking buttload of space left. So what do you guys want to do? Let's muck around, shall we? And the crew were like, Jesus Christ, this really is your first feature film, isn't it, Maximum? We're going to be charging overtime for this, Maximum. It's after midnight. You're going to hear from and the he unions like, on this. <laughs> I don't care what the unions say. I want to film my movie the way I want to film my movie. Uh, yeah, I I agree. I think it was just like, just have some fun with it. And his logic was, if we cut it down fast enough and put a loud enough song over the top, no one will notice that this is uh, not so good. But uh, this just in, Maximum Joseph, some of us are watching the movie every week. Uh, so, bam, roasted you. Take that. Take that, Maximum. All right, Guy, I feel like thus concludes the 15th watch of uh, We Are Your Friends. Sorry that um, I feel like I would have apologized for this episode. I'm just, I feel mad and I feel sad and I feel bad and I don't feel rad. And you, d- you don't need to apologize, Tim. I'd describe it as workmanlike. Uh, shit, yeah, I feel like a real journeyman at this point. It's fucked up, man. Don't like this film. Don't like it at all. And I feel like never. I'm a bit nervous because I feel like this might be the new tenor, you know. What's a tenor? Uh, like the tone, the mood. Oh, nah, nah, bro. <laughs> we'll be back together in no time. All right. Well, fare thee well, Guy Montgomery. Until next time. Sayonara. Don't bro me if you don't know me. Are you gonna play that dastardly intro again? Ow! This movie's still fine. There's a Coley pasta. One of them dies, that guy's screw. One of them's a hottie, his name is Jay. One of them looks like Johnny Depp, and his name is Johnny Depp. Classic Maximum Joseph. You forget that films are supposed to have a point. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you're thirsty for another, why not try Two and a Half Count? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome along. It's another new episode of Two and a Half Count, New Zealand's only wrestling podcast. Unverified. Yeah, I like, assumed. Yeah, I assumed Nicky would I, come back and Becky would show uh, yeah. feud with Nicky, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. I, I don't. Th- I don't think that like the, the flip is necessarily lazy. I th- I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on this one. I refuse to. I, I know you do, and I think, I think it's silly I think too because you're quick. hindering your own enjoyment of the product. No, I'm not. I, th- I think it's too. I think it's too. Uh, no, quick of a thing. I agree with Reese. You're wrong. Two against one. Hey, by the way, guys, I'm I'm a certified diver. Oh, <laughs> and I have not had a congratulations at all from you two. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's been a long week. We completely forgot, forgot about it. 